explanation. Raging review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand and let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alarm! Alarm! Ready! Who's your team ready? Who's your team ready? That's up! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome to the Rage and Review podcast. First time that ever I've ever gotten to do that, Jerry. That felt that was liberating a little bit. I mean, it, it fits it fits your mold. You've done it before in other places, so you're you're you are natural at it. You are guess, very natural at it. I don't know. I guess it's just uh, it's a little bit different than you know yelling players' names. Now welcome to the field. You know, it's just but it, but hey, I had a little butterflies there for a second, but I think we made it. We made it through that okay. Obviously, we're missing uh, one out of our gang of three. Josh has disappeared into the abyss somewhere, and I must defend you, Jerry. We always give you crap for being late, and uh, Josh, it's uh, it's eight twenty two central. Where you at, ball? Thank you. Thank you, because I'm the one with the boomer Internet. I'm the one with the boomer technology. I'm the one that's always this and that. And that man, that man is not here. So, but all joking aside, Josh will be here. He's running into a few, I don't know, technical difficulties himself. It happens, right? It, you know, we're not always perfect, but he'll be here soon enough. Yeah, and we have a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, Of course, we're going to wrap up our thoughts on the Georgia Southern, not state game, because I did get a little bit of uh a little bit of feedback for messing that up one time last week. So uh, we got some Georgia Southern thoughts, and we'll wrap that up and move on, of course, to Florida State, traveling to Tallahassee on Saturday. Early game, 11 a.m. It's been a while since we've uh, played an 11 a.m. game, so uh, that should be interesting. We'll talk a little bit about women's basketball. We'll, of course, wrap up the uh, baseball scrimmage with the uh, the team that we played from across the swamp that wears purple and gold that we don't like to mention their actual names. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. And, uh, and then we'll also welcome a special guest from Tomahawk Nation who will uh, who will give us a little bit of a preview of Florida State coming up this weekend. Before we get started, I know Josh has a write-up for all of our sponsors, but I don't, so I'm just going to wing it. want to thank Gordon McKernan, of course, uh, one of our, our fine sponsors for the pod. Gordon and, T- Gordon and team just getting it done out in Baton Rouge. Uh I guess maybe the best thing to come out of Baton Rouge for us for a while, but uh, great sponsor of the pod. Also Lafayette Roofing. Thank those guys as well. And uh, I'm sure Josh is going to come on and talk a little bit about more about them in a little bit, but wanted to kick off by introducing uh, or mentioning those sponsors. And speaking of introducing, we're going to go ahead and invite our buddy Perry onto the stream. Perry, what's going on, man? Not much. How are you guys tonight? 
We're doing great. We're very excited to have you on uh, on the episode this week. Of course, we're going to uh, touch a little bit upon uh, what you guys uh, predict or, or think about the upcoming game, how your season has gone so far. And I'm, I would uh, assume that it's all smiles uh, in your neck of the woods. But first of all, why don't you uh, give us a, a little bit of info about Tomahawk Nation? Tell us about uh, tell us about that it, in itself, your responsibilities, uh, how you guys got started and, and how it's grown over the years. Well, first off, I'm like hyped. You guys have a great <clears throat> intro. Like I was like fascinated, gone. You killed it. If that was your first time doing the intro, then congratulations. Because <laughs> I was man. I was ready. I was like, oh man, <laughs> FSU better lose on Saturday. <laughs> but, so yeah, Tomahawk Nation. If you're familiar with Bud Elliott, he's now a two four seven CBS Sports analyst. He started it way back in the day when he was in law school so it has been like og he managed to integrate it in with sb nation he left about four years ago there was another person in between and then i was lucky enough to start the week before they canceled the ncaa tournament so it was, it's been like a fun journey since then not really football wise basketball has been terrible since then too but tomahawk is lucky enough that we have I think 20 or so freelance contributors and we get to cover all aspects of the program. And like a lot of the other sites, more, most of the resources because they are owned by bigger sites like that have to phone focus solely on football. So it's fun to be able to bring that whole like campus experience to it because there are these athletes who do not get the shine that FSU football gets built in, even when they are terrible. So it has been nice seeing that on the rise. It's been nice like seeing softball be amazing, soccer be great. So overall, it's nice to get paid money to watch sports. So I can never complain. So I'm very grateful for Tom Hawk. And not only that, man, you you sometimes, and I know uh, Jerry and I, we've suffered through some pretty bad football seasons. And when you're finally, you know, clicking on all cylinders, things are going your way, man, it makes everything worth it. So I can totally appreciate that uh, being yeah. there from the ground up. And it's nice for Mike Norville because, like, it's very hard to not, like, over, like, sanctify a head coach, even, like, in as a fan, because I'm not going to, like, pretend that I'm not a fan of Florida State. I went to Florida State. I try to be as non-biased as possible. But even as media, he's, like, very media-friendly. He does a lot to invite. So seeing him have that success is, like, pretty nice to see, especially because I don't think that you guys are mad at Billy Napier. I well, think we'll that, get to that later. Well, we yeah, we'll get we'll get to bit. that. We'll get to that there. But like, it, <laughs> overall, maybe you want him to be successful. Like, there's not the spite I think that Florida State fans had for, say, a Jimbo Fisher or even a Willie Tat, like something, somebody who left. So it's nice seeing somebody who cares about the sport and the kids find that success without like just stumbling into another like five one season. Yeah, we'll we'll get into the Napier thing a bit later. We have a we have a lot of uh, different opinions about about Billy right now. But let's let's kind of switch over to the game. You know, we we open. Uh, are you guys open as a twenty four point favorite? And we're on the road, obviously, in your house. And the line has kind of moved up and down a little bit. But generally, it's about 24 points. Um, does that spread? I know that that's almost like I think you guys, when you played Georgia Tech, was the last time that the spread was, was you know, that, that large. Did it surprise you coming into this game that it was that big? Do you think it should be more? Do you think it should be less? What are your thoughts on the initial spread uh, that's hitting the line right now? 
I would say maybe even two weeks ago, I would have been like, oh, 24, that's a little bit high. And not even in regards to how the opponent is, but just the way that Florida State has kind of figured it out over the last few weeks. I think it's a 124 to 22 like scoring margin, like just something like very silly. The opponent quality hasn't quite been there, um, but just seeing them put that up number of points and hold a opponent out of the end zones touchdown wise two weeks in a row i think just kind of reflects that 24 point spread will they cover it i'm not 100 percent sure just because of who florida state plays next week especially on a short week but i wasn't surprised i guess yeah is a good way to put it yeah, and typically, you know, I'd, I'd come into this game. I think at the beginning of the season, we looked at this game as like, okay, we got a potential upset on our hands. We think we can take them on. Um, it'll be a tough battle. It'll be on the road. But I think as you as you break down the stats, and I'm going to – later on in the episode, we're going to talk and, and kind of get into the nitty-gritty of the stats. But just looking at, at some of the – over the, the course of the last month, you look at Syracuse. They're 18th in total defense. You guys scored 38 on them. Miami is 42nd in total defense. You scored 45 on them. And then Louisville, earlier in the, the season, you scored 35 on them. They're 38th in defense. And you look at us, and we're we're 40th in total defense, and we're thinking we're coming in with a little bit of advantage. And then you you allow six points in the in the month of November. So so uh, yeah, you know i I think the I think the spread is. Uh, maybe it's where it should be. Maybe, maybe 21, but, but gosh, you guys have just offensively have just really put on a clinic the last few games. Uh, so, yeah. that, and that's been very impressive. Yeah. And it's not like you guys have not exploded offensively in a few games, especially last week. Like there has been, I think somewhat of an offensive cohesion that's come alive. I think on Louisiana's end, which can I get this out? Is it offensive to say Louisiana Lafayette? Like, do you guys only want to be Louisiana? Yeah, you because just made I, my ears bleed by by saying. First of all, you said, and I said, and I said it very it's bad. I, I said it with the Florida. Like, okay, good, because that's I learned. I think we did the team preview in the summer. I was like, I feel like it, it's the offensive hyphen. Like, I feel like it's like when Cent like UCF gets mad about Central Florida. I felt like it was the similar energy. So I'm happy I've established that it's not good. I'm thank you for that. Thank you for asking. We no problem. It. I'm I'm willing to look like an idiot to make sure to not offend play. <laughs> Josh, you're back on. Welcome to the pod, man. Oh hey Good Josh. This episode. So nice for you to show up, man. All right, all right, all right. Look, I'll explain myself after the interview, but let's just keep rolling. It's just Nick, fantastic <laughs> interview. Introduction was fantastic. Interview's going great. Let's just keep rolling. Thank you. And I'll let you take the next question because I just spilled whiskey all over the board. So you're <laughs> And that's how we do it over here. Uh, so you were on thoughts about. So you just actually mentioned about the offensive hyphen, which I'm look, I love the uh, I might actually steal that from you. That's fantastic. Um, but, you know, Perry, just your thoughts about the Cajun program overall. If, if you do pay attention to any G5 football, maybe some Sunbelt Conference football, it's gotten so much better over the last five, six, seven years. Uh, you know, we're constantly in the top 25 now. We're competitive week in, week out, year in, year out. Uh, things have changed down here. So uh, just your thoughts on the Cajun program and then maybe uh, the thoughts on Sunbelt Conference football as a whole. All right. Do I get brownie points if I say Louisiana Monroe? 
We're going to have to end the interview right here, guys. Sorry about that. Okay. Well, um, I was going to say, I'm, I'm happy we took care of them for you guys a couple years ago. So that was like kind of my introduction to, oh man, like Sunbelt is not that fun to deal with. I paid, um, I lived in Atlanta for a few months, so got to go to a few Georgia State games. Um, just overall, it's been fun watching G5 having been like fake duped into thinking usf was good in 2007 as like a middle school like thinking like oh man like they're up and coming and then like kind of like hate watching like being moderately jealous of ucf during fsu's decline seeing appalachian state like help us out like take care of jim but like it's always fun seeing college football be silly and stupid and like when you remove the like of the ACC, the SEC, like that kind of like, oh, we're taking this way too seriously and like getting down to like the best part, which is people who love their school and their community and kids who are just excited to play football and like will do ridiculously talented things, then that's, I just love G5. I can't say that I am can name players off the top of my head. I will not pretend to be that kind of an offense. Somebody, somebody in the comments be like, oh, he does not know. But I appreciate college football at all levels. I love FCS. I love football wherever it can come. I'm excited to be able to see the first game in the series. It's I actually, for some reason, thought that it had happened at some point, but seeing that it's the first time is it's going to be exciting. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, and Jerry, you're going to go next real quick. I just want to get Perry's thoughts on uh, – you know, I mean, I don't know if this is your first introduction to the Raging Cajuns. Uh, we went down to Florida in 2007 and almost, no, not 2007, 2012 wow. and almost knocked off Florida. So I'm sure you might remember that if you pay attention to college football yeah. at all. So uh, is this the introduction to the Raging Cajun program? Uh, do you have any type of history? Do you remember us for a specific thing or anything like that? I'm going to like embarrassingly long pause as I try to remember specifics. I know that they have intersected in other sports and I'm not going to try to like bore you guys and make you stare at a screen. As I try to remember, I definitely know it, with a name like raging Cajuns, like that's another thing that I love about football, like horn frog, like anything along those lines. If I heard it when I was 12, like it has stuck with me from then on. So seeing how I, I'm trying not to trigger early, but Napier, like seeing him build that program up. Like I always love seeing like a good coach build up a program, like raise a program to prominence. That is mainly my association over the last few years. Like just seeing how a team can elevate itself to that level of consistency, because as uh, if you've paid attention to Florida state, level of consistency in the last like two years is going from five wins to seven wins. So there's been a little bit of jealousy at any program that can do whatever anybody has done in the last five years. So, so Perry, um, being the fact that this is the first meeting, the Cajuns do go to Doe Campbell stadium in Tallahassee. Um, and, you know, personally, I've had the chance growing up in New Orleans to actually go to a few Sugar Bowls when the Seminoles have played in there growing up. Got to see Warwick Dunn, Peter Warwick, Chris Winkie, a few of the legends, right? I was there when y'all won that national title in 99. So yeah. I know the support's there. Florida State, you guys have a very hardcore fan base. Seminole Nation is is really, they, they show up and show out. But over the last few years, like you said, there's been some inconsistencies. And I know there's been a few years where Doe Campbell's had some attendance issues. But as a 
of late, um, now with the excitement of what Mike Norvell has been able to do, kind of bring the program back to that sort of dominance that you're used to. Talk a little bit about the atmosphere on what you expect this weekend, especially over the last three weeks with those wins. Uh, what can we expect as far as an intimidation factor? Uh, do the Cajuns have to prepare for noise this weekend? Uh, talk a little bit about Doe Campbell. And is that Tomahawk Chop going to be going all game? What, what can we expect? Uh, you can expect to get like annoyed because even Florida State fans, I think by the third quarter, like you see like the half out, like just like, oh God, like my arm is tired. So by like the third, even just normal tackle that they play it, you guys would be like, okay, maybe like mute it and we'll put some music on. <laughs> so, I actually remember that in the Sugar Bowl. <laughs> I just remember as a kid, it's like every second or third play, you would hear the do, 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 do. Whoa. And I'm it's like, like modern, yeah. Modern college football players, how they celebrate a tackle, like even after like a three yard game, like it's the equivalent. If something happens in a football game and it is somewhat positive, you're going to hear it just go off so even some of your own fans are just like come on guys okay we yeah, uh, my voice is wearing like, out <laughs> like nobody will say it but i mean and like it's fun like it's fun especially when you're winning it's fun to do like it's just the equivalent of like just like though like anytime you can say something without having to form words especially in the third quarter and the drunk is kicking in like that's just all pluses all around a noon game it's maybe not going to be as like terrifying as like a night game when you've had all day for those people to be in the parking lot but i think it is going to be a pretty decent crowd just given that next week is against florida it's a friday game expensive and convenient for people to go to if they want to attend a florida state game, home game this is their last chance it's not going to be vile they're not mean people for the most part you will find like a terrible Florida State fan, especially on Twitter. So don't be beware of the hashtags you use because they're very good at searching. But overall, it's going to be like a pretty nice environment. I'm not sure if it's senior day. They haven't said anything about it. I don't know if they're saving that for Florida. There's been a superstition about it since 2012 about making it the Florida game. So just overall, it will be a fun time. Um, if you're going it will be very annoying to find parking. It will be, I think, nice weather, but overall, good environment, nice rowdyish crowd, 85% full, I would say, at max. So it will be a good time. Looking forward to it. I checked the weather today, and supposedly uh, high of 60, low of 47, mostly sunny for the majority of the day. So I don't think weather's going to be an issue. And I checked it because I didn't know what kind of weather was coming off the Atlantic <laughs> for you guys. I don't want to get stuck in another storm. I'm not leaving Louisiana to go get stuck in a hurricane. So uh, I think we're going to be okay weather-wise. So anyway, I, I'm excited. When we go on the road, I like to go to real college football stadiums and experience that that buzz uh the big time college football experience i mean that's why you travel that's why i travel so that's going to be exciting let's kind of look back perry at the schedule uh because there was a game early in the season that we were particularly interested in you guys walked away with a one-point victory over that school across the basin uh which was i was a huge florida state fan that night I, I would think that nick and jerry were as well a lot of guys in in lafayette were uh we were rooting hard for you guys because of that win that makes this game even more important for us and we'll go into that later but that's a that's a big win for your program especially early on early on especially uh for Nor Nor Norvell sorry struggling here man um 
Duquesne doesn't count, so we won't say that that started your season. You had a tough loss at home to the Demon Deacons, who turned out to be a pretty quality program. They can score the ball. They, they've really improved over the last three years. So I think that Florida State was probably trying to find their footing at that time. Uh, you lose the following week to a very gritty North Carolina State team. Obviously, I still think they're in the top 25. So, I mean, that's a tough loss. But at the same time, you can justify it a bit, right? Uh, yeah. You come back home and you give Clemson all they want, but ultimately can't hold it. Uh, I know that there was some funny business at the end of that game. I, I watched it. Uh, that's that's a tough loss. Uh, you know, you get on a roll a little bit. You crush a bad Georgia Tech team. Miami, I know another rivalry in the state of, of Florida. You, you just embarrass them, which... I love watching no. Miami suck. I, I I have no tie whatsoever. I just think it's fantastic. If I had to take my, you know, if I had my druthers, it'd be Florida and Florida State that were relevant in the in the state. So Miami can get lost. Uh, I, I have no no zero love for Miami. I appreciate um, the peace brokering that's going on. Yeah, no, on seriously. Here, yeah. I, I mean, that's that's honesty. <laughs> uh, but then you go out and you route a really respectable Syracuse team, uh, and I know they were kind of banged up, but regardless, the core of that team is good. They've been. I mean, again, one of those teams under uh, Babers that have just continued to get better over the last three, four, five years, that's a hell of a win because you dominated them. So you don't just walk away with a victory. You walk away with, I mean, an outright route. So I know that Florida State fans are feeling good, right? Just give me a quick synopsis of kind of looking in the rearview mirror, looking at the ups and downs kind of of the season for where you are, and how do you feel as a fan Considering that, you know, the Cajuns come to town and then you have Florida, you're being talked about in, you know, I, I know the bull projections are out and I, I see where people are and it's hard as a fan not to look ahead and wonder what could be. So just kind of like your, you know, little bit of a revitalization of the program. The ACC is what it is, but you're starting to climb the ranks again. I know that it was that middle of the season was tough, but overall you got to feel pretty good. That's a yeah. I think the realistic fan who, if you were realistic before the season, seven wins was like going to be like your okay, things are in the right direction. So your realistic fan is stoked, excited at this point. They're like, all right, seven wins, maybe nine if things go correctly. Ten if you win the bowl, which is three game. Or I think the over under for the season was six and a half. So already past that, Vegas odds passed. The maybe more like spoiled '90s Florida State or 2013 Florida State fan, like that just came around, like right at the end of Jimbo, is like that NC State game should have been a win. Wake Forest isn't even that good. So I am. I think he's ahead of schedule. I think Norvell's ahead of schedule, considering what we expected this season, considering how Florida State has looked in the wins. It was disappointing that against the only ranked competition, Ellis. Oh, I cut myself off. The team, the, that school across the bay? Across the basin. Pretty good. Though. Across the basin. Okay. The school across the basin should, they were not ranked. They are, they're doing their thing. They're not that impressive, right? When, when Florida State beat them, they were. The when Florida State beat them, State. they were amazing when they yeah. won. Sure. When FSU won, amazing. Now, oh, gosh, they're all terrible. But I'm impressed. They were, yeah. They were like, yeah. Josh, I'm impressed with this you. guy's got a head on him. I like him. I, I like, like him. Yeah. My mom told me how to fly in, but that's yeah. So against ranked teams, you did not win. Syracuse was maybe going to be ranked, but they kind of fell apart injury wise. And so if you want to even qualify the last three games, Miami was not up to full health, missing their starting quarterback. They just have looked god awful this year. Uh, Georgia Tech 
offensive line is just decimated. They're playing maybe, I think, two walk-ons, one walk-on. I might be wrong on that, but they're just bad. So Florida State has dominated bad teams, which is good, and that's a great sign, especially when last year they lost to um, – I'm, I blocked it out mentally. Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I was what, actually so, going to bring that up. Yeah. So like that's what, when you see that happen last year, and when you only win three games in 2020. 2020 is like a gas leak year. Nobody knows what happens. None of that counts, anyways. But still, like the improvement there to start off four and zero to be able to be at this point seven and three, especially when losing all that momentum against the good teams like middle stretch, like when you could have easily just crumbled at that point to just absolutely like whoop on arrival when they're beginning of the season, they were very excited. They're like, we are up and coming. We can pay any player $5 million. And then that happens. Like people are feeling good, but there's like the little bit of like, Oh man, I, I got my new MacBook, but I forgot to get the hundred dollar Apple cart. Like that you forgot. Like there's just like that little bit of like, Oh man, I should have, but I think anybody who is realistic should just be excited. Seven and three, like eligibility locked up. They look good. I think they look like a top 15 team. I don't think they are, but they look good. So like that, after watching them just any, yeah, we can get into a Jacksonville state soon. We can, we, I can paint all day. So, so, I'm hopping in here um, a little bit late because I had a power surge and that's where you heard the beeping that's from right. and then all hell broke loose in my house. But we're good now. I am back. Um, so I, I'm not aware of the questions that were already asked. Apologize if I'm asking a question that, that's already been touched. But curious, I know Florida is a huge, the they're the rival for you guys. So talk to me a little bit about your perception of Napier. I know it's easy to hate a program. Um, what are your guys' feelings, gen general thoughts on Napier? You know he built the program here. Now he's at Florida. Is it an automatic hatred because he, he coaches for the Gators? Or, or do you guys have a little bit of respect for him coming in? Yeah, no, it's just, it's game over. As soon as you're there, like, that's what, they're just mean. So that's what, don't even look at, like, what people are going to be saying about it. Don't search his name that week. You will be offended, even if you're kind of, like, a little, like, miffed at him, like, over what happened or, like, how things have turned out. You'll be offended on behalf of him. Perry, let me tell you something. Yeah. When So, first of all, Razor Review broke the news, like, a month before any legit outlet broke it. So we got, like, 1,500 followers in a week, <laughs> and they loved us. Oh, man, the Raging Cajuns are our new favorite team. These guys are amazing because what we did is we said, look, we know Napier was never going to stay here long term. If we mm -hmm. got to give him off, this is the way to do it. We're going to we're going to support the guy. We're going to I mean, he did a great deal for our program. The best we could do and the, the thing that he deserved from us, how we felt at the time, was that we would support him on the way out. Well, when he left, he took way more than he said he was going to take. So we, of course, defended our program and said, hey, man, you kind of crushed us on the way out. Thanks a lot. And man, the Florida the Florida fan base just turned on us overnight, and we oh, got man. hate mail. We got we we look. It was ugly for a while. We had to start blocking folks, even yeah, on my personal you. account, man. Because like, and and we had, we hosted a space. I wasn't a part of this pod at the time, but you guys hosted a space, and there were like a thousand listeners, and it was just like person. We were trying to have a pod to say we're pissed <laughs> off the way things happen, and all you heard were these idiots from Florida and not all of them, but there were a lot that came on and were just complete a-holes to us. And it's like, it's not, this ain't, this ain't for you. Like, why yeah, are you no. here? This ain't no. for you. 
But but I think going back and and, and Josh kind of touched on it a little bit, and you asked what you know what we thought of Napier. The thing is, if I think there was a lot writing on Napier's decision to go to Florida and a lot of input that he had on our head coach um, hire, right? Local guy, ties to the program, former quarterback. We all love we all love Coach Des. Coach Des has never been a head coach in, in FBS football. And so we were led to believe that this hire was being made because nothing's changing. Yeah, a couple of a couple of coaches are going to go, maybe a couple of support staff, but the culture we want the culture to continue. That that was the the word on the street was that that's what Napier did. He pushed for this guy to be hired because we want to continue the culture. And then two weeks down the road, he looks around and says, "Holy crap! Nobody wants to coach with me at Florida, so we're just going to take the entire Sun Belt Conference coaching staff and support staff down to the video guy and the guy who gave." calf massages after games to Florida and leaving us with nothing. You, they, you got a head coach who's never coached before now having to build an entire sport. They even took the touchdown baton with them. Like the touchdown baton they danced with, that was our touchdown baton. But really what happened was to Nick's point, I think I think a lot of people saw when Billy went to the bowl game that Florida played in against UCF, and UCF dominated that game, especially in the second half. And look, let's be honest, even you as a Florida State fan, you just, you're not expected to lose to UCF. You just don't do that in that state, right? It would be like yeah. the school to the east of the base and losing to us. It just doesn't happen. I think when Billy saw that up close, it's easy to sell you $7 million in the whole house, right? But when actually you have the house has leaks, the house has damage, the house has asbestos, and you don't see it when you're being sold, the the mind changes. And I think that's what happened. He realized, like, oh my gosh, I have a lot more work to do than I thought. So he took he took over twenty staff members with him. Well, the two best right players came from Louisiana. Yeah, Montreal Johnson then, yeah. Jr. is is their best running back, and they're and literally the best offensive lineman in the entire nation in the country came from here. So did you, see, did you see him the other week say He's that ridiculous. He, he left you guys in a really good place and did not take anybody? Well, that's a total lie. He knows what he yeah, did. He, he, said he, it, he said in an interview that he would have taken more if he would have known yeah. what he was getting himself into. They illegally recruited our players. Do we want to go down that rabbit hole? Probably not. Let's stick to the interview. That's what I mean. That's what, we're just like building bridges here. It's going to be very sad Saturday if things play out how they should. But overall... <laughs> I'm happy about this establishment. We're good. Miami sucks. The school across the basin. basin. Yes. Garbage. Trash. All agreement. Okay. I like where this is headed. Yeah. So we were talking about um, we're talking about the Gators, but let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about Florida State. Um, Jordan Travis, great quarterback. Pretty much the whole package. Uh, Davey O'Brien candidate. Your wide receiver room, very well improved. Uh, the passing game for the, for the Knowles have been, has been outstanding all season long. Your front seven, probably one of the most dangerous in America, especially your defensive line. I mean, they are just violent across the board. And they haven't been giving up too many points over the last few weeks. You have a great first-round talent in Jared Verse. Um, Remember him the first week in the Superdome. Outstanding. Uh, we, we're very familiar with the Seminoles team. Um, who are some unsung heroes? Who are some guys behind the scenes that we may hear of on Saturday that uh, 
maybe not getting that recognition, but we know they're going to be making plays against the Cajuns. So Pat Payton, I'll start off with him. He's been coming alive lately, and he is actually, unless I am mistaken, Louisiana native. So he maybe will know a couple of players. It'll be nice to see him like compete against either teammate. I am going off the top of the head here. I don't know if he has teammates or competition that he played against, but whenever there's that kind of connection, it's nice to see he has been great on the line defensively. Tana Bethune linebacker transfer from UCF has been a huge difference maker in making that unit like go from below average, one of the worst in the ACC to like realistically above average, I th- like pretty good and like decent enough to make the defense functional um, along with Kalen Deloach, also a really good linebacker. Jamie Robinson, uh, all ACC safety. He should be an NFL pick as well. As well. On the offense, um, you name your running back. Like That is like something Florida State is like very thankfully like rich at. Trey Benson, Oregon transfer, who is recovering from like pretty much tearing up his entire leg, has been just phenomenal this year. Trishon Ward. Uh, coming back from a collarbone hasn't really gotten any action, but he's really good as well as well as Lawrence Tofilly, who is kind of like a like one of your like weeble wobble, but they don't fall down backs. Like just like gets hit, keeps going. Trey Benson same way. Ward is more of the speed back. They really have done such a good job of building up this team through the portal without like let's I'll get another shot in without raiding Memphis. Like that was one thing that Norvell did not do when he came in. He did not take Brady White and like everybody who was on that team. He has gone and identified like kind of like cast offs from other schools. It did not work last year with Mackenzie Milton trying to like fix him, but with a lot of these players. Johnny Wilson, Micah Pittman, a wide receiver. They did not have that much production at the school before. So across the board, there's a lot of like fun players. Like they have finally established that kind of identity that he likes. And then just like a fun offensive lineman, Dylan Gibbons, who just a really good guy. He was one of the first like NIL athletes to use like GoFundMe. So he has a GoFundMe NIL partnership and just does so much community work and it's been really awesome when they played in new orleans he like went with his friend timothy who's in a wheelchair and like donated books to the hospital there so just it's been nice to build a team that isn't full of like really annoying guys like it's it's nice to kind of like of the jimbo fisher era so across the board it's you've got to be satisfied it's very interesting uh I agree with you on the Jimbo thing. Not, <laughs> not the best, not the best roster. Um, if Florida State is susceptible to a letdown somewhere along the line against the Cajuns, I tend to think that if a team is unprepared or a team comes in maybe a little bit lackadaisical, typically you can find that that very first um, inkling on special teams because it, I mean special teams is like rebounding, right? It's just it's effort. Most special teams is all effort. So I'm going to be looking at that first. But if I had to, if I, if you had to identify somewhere where the Cajuns may have an opportunity to maybe exploit Florida State when they're down or not focused or whatever the case may be, where do you think that might be? Turnover margin has kind of improved, but Florida State has been very lucky in holding teams out of the end zone. Like Miami got a fumble off Jordan Travis, Syracuse got a fumble off Jordan Travis, and both times Florida State was either able to manage to hold them to a field goal or just completely off the board. 
So if you take out the last three weeks of football where Florida State has just looked untouchable, you see a team that struggles in short yardage and in the red zone. Like they put up the yards, they can move the ball very efficiently, but they were not scoring. And they got very lucky to play three straight bad offenses. Now, is that like built them up and built the confidence and let them figure out what they need to do? Or did they forget what can happen if they forget that they actually need to score points on these drives? So uh, Louisiana's defense actually is good. Like they are not FCS. Like there's not like Florida State fans, thankfully, are like pretty aware of like not taking competition lightly. (laughs) They have seen what has happened from near losses to actual losses. So there's not like some like pew pew, like there's like cannot overlook these guys. So like, it is very, like very serious old man. Like you, you, you can't, the game, they got to play the game. So there is that chance. If Louisiana can get that turnover, can score those points and then make sure to get the points when they can, which sounds like obvious, like you, you got to score more points than the other team, but one thing that I am personally jealous of is y'all's kicker because seeing like that amount of production and points, like since he took over has been like Ryan Fitzgerald, Florida state's kicker, struggled like really terribly earlier in the year. It kind of played into that NC state loss because they were not playing for the field goal. They were playing for the touchdown. So if Louisiana gets that turnover, like they are very capable Rack those three points up, rack those three points up, rack those three points up. Like you want to score touchdowns if you want to score the upset. But in this situation, if you can get those points and you can just figure out how to take away the run game or the pass game or one aspect, because one has to feed into the other. And that's what has allowed FSU to be good these last three games. But that not happening is what you saw of that three game lose streak. Cause seven or 16 points something like that against NC state like they did not put up most of that that clemson game was actually maybe garbage time technically they could have blown florida state out if they had put the foot on the gas a little bit more wake forest kind of did whatever it wanted we've seen teams take advantage so there is that possibility but three games in a row is just hard like it's just hard to like wrap your mind around like suddenly reverting back to the mean i think that there's a decent chance that in the second quarter like late third quarter early you're like should they be ranked like there's gonna be like that there's a very high chance of that like kind of like oh no it might get silly right now like the whole espn is gonna be ready to be like in two straight weeks florida state lost to louisiana and its former head coach like so there's all that like possible. You've so, already got the storylines yeah. played out, man. I, oh, I like uh, that. We, there's a lot of trauma, so don't worry. Like, it's very possible. And trust me, I, I we totally understand the trauma. <laughs> we have an actual disease called Cajun Disaster Syndrome, so we know all about it. Before we ask our last question and let you get out of here, I, I've been wanting to ask this question to an actual Florida State fan. Speaking of the red zone, like you said earlier, when Mike Norvell or whoever your offensive coordinator is decided to call a toss to the fullback on fourth and one at the goal line. What did that do to you as a fan of college football? Because I can tell you, I was in a rage just, and it's not even my team. That the worst part is that is the only game this season that I wasn't able to watch like from start to finish. Um, my other job is I run social media for like amateur IndyCar. So we're at a race that weekend. So I'm sitting there on my phone, like, Oh, they got the ball. 
they're in the goal line. They're gonna okay, game over. And then I just see fumble. And then I, so I'm just, I had to do the game cast because like my illegal stream, my ESPN official stream was not working. So I was sitting there freaking out. I see they score. And then I just see that they, there's no extra point. So it was just terrifying. I think Norvell does get a little bit too cute sometimes. He has a little bit too much trust in his athletes, which like they're worse problems to have because you would expect on fourth and one to maybe just be able to pitch it. He walks in because that play was there a few times. Like they ran counter, I think 70% of the plays against Miami. Like they just, if they want to bully, like they can just really be annoying. So I get the thought process the same way I get the thought process on throwing on second down with 16 seconds left, like in scoring position against NC state when like, maybe just set up like you can probably go for the field goal and still win. But the way that it's panned out this year, he's gotten the benefit of the doubt. Like there's still like a little bit of the like, Hey, like you need to figure it out on like third and six. Like there's a little bit too much stalling. If you look in the middle eight, the like college football's favorite stat this year, then there's like a lot of like questionable, like long non-scoring streaks. It sputters at times. So when it hits, like it hits, it's very nice. So final thoughts uh, before we wrap things up, your your opinion on how the game is going to unfold on Saturday and uh, your your prediction for a final score. If we go like realistic, like let's pretend like we're running this through like the college football simulator, Florida State should like be able to take care of business. Maybe not cover, but I think like at least a 17 point win just based off what they've been able to do over the last weeks, how healthy they've gotten, uh, where they've struggled over the offensive line, the defensive line. Like they've kind of like figured things out. I don't think it's like five minutes into the game at 17-0 and then playing catch up the rest of the game. I think it's like Louisiana scores three, Florida State scores seven, maybe they get 10, 10-6, 17-6, like something like just the steady like – small climb and eventually like it just makes the difference and then it ends up looking farther than it should have crazy case and they just like continue like their ridiculous unsustainable pace of not letting a team score a touchdown or any points at all and then like they just keep going which like it could happen we've seen it like they they have it but i just don't think given that they not to say overlook but like maybe are holding things back in anticipation of the next week and like not wanting to put too much on film or anything like that ahead of like a really big game against florida it could be closer than it should but i maybe am in denial of the possibility i'd like i acknowledge that there is the chance that it could happen but just because of the fact that it looks like louisiana kind of in the same time frame has just figured out its offense but has had the defense the whole time is what worries me like the defense presence and the ability to convert that into points is what florida State has not had to deal with since playing clemson and that's actually where things can get like crazy and sticky and college football-y. 
Yeah, I appreciate that. And and mm-hmm. I think that's a fair assessment. I will say, I, and I, I wanted to mention this before I asked you that that question, was I appreciate you saying that the fans understand that that it's not a gimme because, and you were pointing to a couple of other games. I mean, you look at the Sunbelt Conference that we're in this season and you consider Old Dominion, you know, beat Nebraska on the road. We beat Marshall. Marshall goes out and, and upsets Notre Dame. App State goes out and upsets Texas A&M. Uh, and ruins their season. So yeah. I appreciate that you guys have a, a savvy enough fan base to just not not automatically look past us um, and, and give a little respect there. Final thought, final, final, final thought for me. Um, and, and I think we're going to throw up a question from, uh, let's see, Andrew. We all want to know, man, first time in, in Tallahassee, what bars, what places to eat at? Where do we have to hit up while we're there? Okay, if you want to see Tallahassee and it's most Tallahassee and like the college, like chaos college town, which is like the most hilarious, like generic name. Like you're going to Disney, but it's called college town, mass and social township. Um, the club is called recess. Like it's very like hubbub, like almost like Nashville, like a lot of like going on there. Um, good brewery proof, like great beer, chicken fingers, is canes like an actual delicacy or is that like a fake like myth like how people love in and out because i've had it and it was good but i don't know if it's like the regional but if you really like want good chicken fingers there's this place chubby's which is just top notch um if you want like gross like good hibachi this place mr rubato's it is on the food report list so like say no more if it's called yeah, mr rubato's i'm in right yeah, buyer, i'm in <laughs> buyer, buyer beware it is definitely on the health reports but like i ate that place constant there's a Publix that has chinese food and that is like tom notch as well but bar wise you walk around like there's a lot do not go to the strip unless you want to really see like college like that is like straight like 20 year old like edm i walked in there at i'm 28 now i walked in there at 25 and i was like i need to go to sleep like it, it's 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 a lot so like we, we had we had a strip in lafayette at one time and that was kind of the same thing it's yeah, been condemned it, so yeah yeah, yeah that's it, like it should have been condemned there was black mold in it like literally at one point so you walk anywhere down the street you'll find a party like the tailgating atmosphere is going to be great the af- the after party will be nice because it is a noon game. Like there is, you'll be able to stay alive after the fact. Florida State fans are nice. What if, if we you win? Like, are they nice? They're just depressed. I haven't. I could have garnet and gold glasses, but like I haven't seen Florida State fans antagonize like any. But like even after a loss, like instigate. Like I haven't seen fighting Miami fans scariest people on earth doesn't matter the outcome of the game or the sport what we know about that i mean that that they put that on full display several times (laughs) they're just terrible terrifying people florida fans are like snooty and they'll be like well at least like we have good job like they're like the elite school so like that's like that but like nc state fans throw pee they're mean they're scary clemson fans are nice but like florida state fans if you're walking around you're like hey it's our first time in tallahassee we're here to enjoy the game like we just want to see what's going like they'll they'll join you the tailgate very nice people if you see an annoying one then just like add to the list there's very like <laughs> twitter and like i said don't go there don't go like <laughs> every fan base has a as a sect of it 
Yeah, when you see, when you see Florida State like get like that first like holding call like when it's third and like sixteen and they get the first or third and thirteen or something and they get the first down and like you're just like that was a pretty questionable call. You're gonna get like five replies real quick, but they're not gonna Florida fan you. Don't worry, like they they will not caters you. <laughs> Good to know. Gary from Tomahawk Nation. I'll tell you what, you say your last name so I don't butcher it and then let everybody know where they can find your work uh, and follow you just in general. That is the most exciting part of every podcast interview that I do. So I'm happy that it came at the end. Kosadakis, Greek name. I I know that you guys have to deal with very long French names like a lot. So You have no idea. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes. I, I, I will... Absolutely go out of my way and pronounce it. Paracostadakis, thank you guys for having me on. You can go to tomahawknation.com, SB Nation website. We cover Florida State football, basketball, which is absolutely terrible. Just lost to Troy. But Troy was good. Like, that's what, like, it, they, they definitely, Dude, like. Scott Cross is the real deal. You didn't lose yeah. to a scrub, a scrub. They are good. No, he's he's no, a they, coach. they were good, and but they lost to Stetson and UCF, too, 0-3. So, not good. You maybe don't want to read the basketball coverage unless you do, like, looking at people's misery, which I do. I look at good bull haunting a lot. Hey, so, they call us a fun belt for a reason, baby. Yeah. Oh, f- that's it. Like fun belt is just the epitome of like maction and fun belt are just what college football is meant to be. Like AAC, AAC just wants, like they're just tryhards. Like they're trying to get in the country club with, they bought polo at the outlet. They're like, Oh, we belong. So like people who accept that college football is silly and should be silly and fun. Like that's what I love. So the beauty of it. So thank you guys for having me on. You don't want to follow me on Twitter. I'm very boring at Perry costs. You can look like Tomahawk nation. It's just our news. We appreciate just even the invite, especially like when a game like this with the first ever series, you guys are excited to go, which is I'm sure a conflicting feeling because you're like, oh, I can't wait for the game. Like, so excited to talk about it with you guys. And I'm happy that we could have taken care of business for you guys in the beginning of the season. And hopefully we can uh, once again, return the favor next week. Absolutely. You've given us a very unique opportunity on Saturday. I think we can all the agree. Week after, excuse me. Yeah. I, I think we can all agree, you know, go to hell, Florida. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can all agree there. And uh, look, we appreciate you taking the time to join the Region Review podcast. Uh, the fan-to-fan interaction, or excuse me, the fan podcast to the fan site interaction is kind of what we built ourselves on. So anytime we can have these conversations, we really welcome them and, and, and we appreciate it. So uh, I would say good luck on Saturday, but I would be lying to you. Uh, I will be there. My wife and I are going up to enjoy the game. I'll maybe out of spite because my fiance is a Florida grad when you guys play Florida eventually then I'll go and be able to put on my Raging Cajun shirt and be able to fully enjoy the experience. Go to Canopy Road for breakfast, if you can, on Sunday, and get the cinnamon roll pancake. And that's all, like, as long as you enjoy it, that's all I need. That's that's the reward for me. If Florida State loses, at least you guys are happy. That's, what, like, <laughs> that's the only way that I can ever comfort myself during, like, the big upset losses. At least somebody is having a good time. I like your style. We look forward to seeing you in a Raging Cajun shirt. Perry, take care, man. It was a good time. I appreciate it, guys. Nick, that was, that was really good. Like, last-minute kick-ass. And then I destroyed the board in the meantime, by the way, by spilling whiskey on it. So that's going to be a tomorrow issue. So <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> let me explain myself. So, first of all, I walked into an update, which I don't even know how that happened. I certainly didn't commission it. 
But anyway, we we had a thing. First of all, we're supposed to have our our last uh, soccer game tonight. It was going to be a six, six to seven. I was going to be home at seven thirty. I had everything laid out. I was prepared. You guys had the notes in your inbox. It was ready to rock and roll. Well, that didn't work out. So the other team canceled because forfeited. Let me fix it. They forfeited because it was cold. All my girls were ready. They were rocked up. Let's go. They were bundled up, ready to kick some ass. Wait, because it was cold? Thank you. And then the coach didn't send us a message until like 4.30. You put some shawls on and you go out there. Don't get me started. (laughs) So anyway, the parents decided we'll turn this into a, you know, like a last dinner team thing. So we go to Pizza Village, right? Shout out Pizza Village. Get there, order our beers. We have our pizza. Girls are having a great time. Next thing you know, I'm looking down, waiting for the bill. Things are taking too long. I still got home on time. I was ready to rock. 8.13, sit down, freaking software update on the computer screen. So I was locked out for like nine minutes. Well, at least you didn't destroy a $700 piece of equipment that I'm hoping will last, and I'm hoping when it dries off, it will... Function. If you bought it, if you bought it new, I'm sure. Did you go Sweetwater route? Well, yes, but to be to be fair, it actually. I'm trying to sound cooler than it was. The whiskey's on this side. I had a bottle of water and the cap wasn't on, and I just knocked it over. Do you mean so, to tell me that I'm the one with the good technology tonight? So no, Jerry, we're not. Is that is that is that what I'm hearing? Better. My broken mixer is better than your technology. I don't know, man. When you spill too much whiskey, it may kind of shaws it a little oh, bit. I think I might God. have the better technology for the night. All those. Weeks I'm taking of this. I'm taking this win. I yes. give me this W for just tonight. I'm taking this as a W. And Jerry's internet connection has been fantastic throughout. I know, right? Plug it that, in. That's why we've been telling him for <laughs> eight months. Plug it in, Jerry. He's like, well, where does it go? In plug. <laughs> you just plug it in. Good job, Jerry. We're proud of you. Seriously, you, tonight, you held man. the show together, man. Hey, hey, I'm, 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 I'm at least for tonight. I'm, uh, I'm taking this small victory. Okay, <laughs> just, just let me have is, it for this night. This does not bode well for the uh, Tallahassee trip. Nick's gonna be running the board. That doesn't Shit's work. Blowing up. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope it doesn't. It doesn't reflect on the field, right? Let's hope it just. It's only here. I, I know we got to roll into our, our reactions to the interview. And I, I got to tell you, I have so many thoughts. And by the way, Perry was fantastic. Um, Tomahawk Nation actually has a ridiculous following. So I don't, he, he was very humble about the amount of work they put in and everything they've been able to accomplish as far as a following. I mean, really impressive. I, I looked at all of their information. They do a great job following their teams and covering their teams and everything. It, it was really great. I want to also say thanks to Gordon, Gordon McKernan and the team. Uh, they gave us some tickets this past week to give away to get the, you know, hashtag Pat Cajun field. They did their part. They showed up to watch the game. So shout out to them. Uh, I, I just had to say that. Also, Darren Domingue was, he called it, I'm on a win high, but it was more like I'm on a whiskey high to me because it was a lot of stuff I couldn't read. And he was complaining about the RV lot. So I told him we would do a segment on the RV lot, uh, which turned into an RP thread. So I kind of came through on that, but we are going to save all of the fix the stuff inside the stadium, fix the tailgating thing. We've got like a series coming on that, Darren. So Darren Lafayette roofing, fantastic business partner with us. Wanted to say thank you for that. If you guys need anything at all, anything installation of anything at all painting uh you name it they're general contractors as well so they'll be waiting for your phone call lafayette roofing great sponsor of raging cajun athletics and longtime rcaf member 
I got so many thoughts. You know, I, I'm going to start with this because I didn't really want to roll into it with Perry because I don't want the interview to go two hours. But this is a team that had this has the same core that lost to Jacksonville State, and he mentioned it. And I don't necessarily think that they weren't talented enough to beat Jacksonville State. Obviously, they were. They recruit three, four, five-star athletes in their sleep. A team loses to a team like Jacksonville State when they're not focused, when they're not prepared, and when they don't take the game seriously. I know they've they've improved, but look at what they've done over the last month. We talked about it. They beat a good Syracuse team. I'll give them that. But do you think Syracuse has the athletes to play with Florida State when Florida State feels like they're threatened, especially at home? I don't. I don't think they do. It's Syracuse, New York. And I know they've been better under Dino Babers, but it's still Syracuse, man. I'm sorry. They've got some nice wins in the last few years, but still Syracuse. Uh, who did they crush right before that? Georgia Miami. Tech, bad. Miami, hapless, lost to Middle Tennessee State and got their tails whipped. I, f- I know that they feel like they're on a roll, and and you can't really argue with the with the offensive statistics, and, and honestly, their defense has been absurd too. But some of that is complimentary. It goes hand-in-hand. They've got some tough losses on the schedule, and they've lost to some teams that play pretty comparable defense to what we do. And I honestly think that we have been hurt by our offense, and some of those defensive numbers that are maybe in like the high 40s, low 30s would have been helped by a competent offense. And honestly, uh, a couple of times with the special teams really not showing up. I I will continue to say that this defense is better than they've showed. They're as good as we think they are. I think when they've been given the opportunity to do their job the way they're supposed to do it, they've been absolutely outrageous. If the team that showed up against Jacksonville State shows up against the Cajuns, distracted because of Florida next week, distracted because of senior night, distracted because they think they're doing a great job by blowing out mediocre to bad teams. I know a lot of people look at, look at the stats on paper and they look at what our schedule looks like compared to theirs. I'm sorry, dude. Uh, there's a reason why you play the game. We're not a scrub team. Have we underachieved? Absolutely. Have we shown flashes? Absolutely. It's college football. Anything can happen. What do y'all think? Well, I think that's why you play the game. I mean, you don't know what is going on on either team right now. I mean, there could be an outbreak of the flu in Florida State and, and half their starters are out. I mean, you don't know that. that again, that's why you don't crown them before, before you play the game. Now, will I say I I am more concerned about the offensive production and defensive production they've had over the last couple of games? Yes. I mean, I don't care who you're playing. If you hold two teams to three points in, in the month of November, that scares me um, because they're not scrubs either. Now, are they are they world beaters? No. Syracuse and Miami don't scare. They're not world beaters. But again, you hold two teams to three points in the month of November that 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 worries me a little bit so I don't know that the matchup is great I mean we're gonna talk stats in a little bit there it some of their stats are stupid I mean they, they have like a 64 percent conversion rate on fourth down and and f- almost 50 percent on third down so uh keys to the game which we'll talk about in a bit are, are are limiting them on third down but we did that against Georgia Southern this week I mean you look at Georgia Southern when they came in you're thinking offensive powerhouse they're going to they're going to sling it and they're going to run on us and it's going to be a tough go. And we came out and pretty much dominated. And uh, again, I, I don't want to say that I think we're going to come out and 
and, and it'll be a, a win for us. I, I just don't know. It, it depends, again, as inconsistent as we've been all season, who shows up to the game? Like you said, Josh, if we play to the to the potential that we have to play uh, or that we can play at, I think I think we make a game of it. If we come out against them like we did ULM and go up 17 and then put it on cruise control and say, oh, well, good luck. We're, that, that's it. We got our 17. Then it's going to be a long game. I think in spite of, you know, Syracuse may not be a dominant team or Miami's not playing or they're not the old Miami that we we knew growing up. Florida State still went on the road to both places and only gave up three points. They're two, they're SEC, they're ACC opponents. They were both road games. And again, they only gave up three points. That's scary to me. Um, I think for us, the biggest flaw that we've had all season is inconsistency. Inconsistency on offense, sometimes inconsistency on defense, inconsistency on special teams. Some of the decision-making through the coaching staff has kind of raised, made us raise eyebrows. This is one of those weekends where we, we cannot be inconsistent because I think in spite of the competition that Florida State has played over the last three weeks, they're still hitting a lot of momentum uh, in spite of the fact that those three schools have it, aren't that they're not as good as maybe what we think perception wise, there's still three ACC schools that have been dominated by Florida state, you know, just their defense and, and not being able to score. I think for us, and like you guys said about playing the game, I think if our team goes in with a mindset of nothing to lose, that's where I think we play our best football. Uh, I saw it against Troy. I saw it against South Alabama. I saw it against Marshall. I felt our team went in knowing that we are capable of winning, but in those two, the two out of those three games, we just couldn't finish. I think this team will give Florida State a good game early on. The main thing is, again, what's always what, what has always done us what has always affected us is our own mistakes. You can't make mistakes against Florida State, so. As far as the expectation and as far as what as far as what's what's at stake here, I think for us, we just have to play smart and we just have to play discipline. You do that and you let the chips fall where they did where they fall. And I mean, let's be honest, Florida State, naturally, they're a more talented team. They may they're a little bit of a better team right now. But that doesn't mean we just go there and collect a paycheck and take a beating. I think we're good enough to compete with them. We just have to limit the mistakes. I think the fact that we've been inconsistent, not necessarily just bad, helps us. We don't need to be consistent against Florida State. We need to hit a home run. We need to catch lightning in a bottle. That's all we got to do. Uh, and I think that we're easily talented enough to do that. You mix in a couple of mistakes and some lack of focus. You got yourself a football game. I, I understand that they held Miami to three points. Kevin Stockstill's Middle Tennessee average defense held them to like six in the first half when they played them. I, I, I have a hard time looking at what they put on paper to this point and telling myself I don't have an opportunity to win this game. I, I just watched this team. You want to talk about momentum. Now, look, I know we lost to Troy. But if you want to talk about the last two quarters of Southern Miss, the first three quarters of Troy, and then the entire game against Georgia Southern, I feel like we're playing some pretty damn good football. Did we did we collapse? Nah, I hate using the word collapse, but did we 
not come through and finish the game in the fourth quarter against Troy? Yes, that is inexcusable. Was it helped by some really terrible officiating and some bad play calling? It was. I mean, let's be honest. But but just play on the field. When, give me another three-game stretch where the offensive line has looked as good as it's looked. I can't find it. I think we continue to improve week in and week out. I think, I think Jax is going to be back this week. I think the offensive line as a whole is working better together as a unit. That's encouraging to me. The wide receiver room, I think we're, we're starting to find the guys we can rely on. If Jacob, if Jacob Bernard is not your number two wide receiver at this point, what are we even doing? I mean, the guy just goes out and makes plays. He's, he's a reliable weapon at this point. He's also a great wide blocker. If you, if you look at the improvement of the run game, a lot of that's predicated on our wide blockers actually getting nasty lately. If you watch some of the replays of that game, especially Peter, and I got to shout him out because I've been a little bit tough on him, but he's been blocking well and playing hard. Uh, made a couple of nice catches in that Georgia Southern game. So I don't know. I, you know, on paper, sure, we look like we're totally overmatched. Now, I will tell you this. I'm not, I'm not insane. I understand their front seven is, like Jerry said, one of the top in America. They probably got at least one NFL first-round draft pick, probably two or three more second- or third-rounders. Fast, huge, physical, athletic. They're going to be good. It's going to be a monumental task for this offensive line to even keep them at bay, much less, you know, win at the point of attack, win one-on-one. There's several matchups unit-to-unit where we don't look like we can win. That offensive-defensive line thing is going to be an issue. And if we can't if we can't keep Jared Verse in, you know, check, we don't have a chance because he, he can continue. He's like the kid from LSU, number 40, who took over the game. I can't remember. Harris, I think, maybe. He took over that Arkansas game. Verse can do the same thing for Florida State. Again, watch special teams. If special teams comes out and hits Florida State in the mouth early, you know that we're focused and ready to play and Florida State is not. It's an effort game on, on special teams. I mean, I think you guys would agree with that. It's, it's like I said, it's like rebounding. People that get out-rebounded, they don't want it. it it's, it's, a, it's an effort game at that point. So th- those are my thoughts. Um, if you guys look at the turnover margin, we've been good this year. Florida State has struggled in the turnover margin. I was glad, Perry, that brought that up. I think that that's an opportunity to win. That's an opportunity to exploit a weakness that maybe they haven't dealt with because they're blowing teams out. The other thing is that when you blow teams out, you don't really have to be in the mix. You, you get to sit people, and you don't, your starters don't have to play meaningful minutes. We can't do that. We've, we've got to be all hands on deck all the time. I think that plays in our hands, especially if we're more healthy than we have been. Uh, so anyway, moving on. i, I got to ask this question because it's been a topic of conversation. How much does it mean to you guys, right, if we go out and beat Florida State, and yes, it's possible, folks, we go out and beat Florida State in the same season that they beat the, the school across the basin. How big of a deal is that? For you, Jerry, or for you, Nick, or maybe for just Joe Everyday Fan, does that change the way you look at this season? Does this season have a different complexion if you can go on the road and win a game like that? Let's remember, we're not too far removed from the Cajuns getting absolutely dominated every time we step foot out of conference and played a, a ranked team. I mean, how many times did we even play close? Illinois once, Arizona once under, under HUD, Florida under HUD. Outside of that, South Carolina, they weren't ranked. They were SEC under Bustle. I mean, we were happy to play Tech close back in the day. We're not a decade removed from getting totally trounced every single time we walked out of, of conference. 
So I can tell you from my personal standpoint, going on the road and thinking that we have a chance to win is already a massive upgrade in being a fan of the Cajun football program. And then secondly, having to listen to their incessant bitching about how much better they are and little brother and blah, blah, blah. If we go beat Florida State on the road in the same season that they lost to them, that's a big deal for me. You guys. I could care less about LSU and what they think of it, honestly, because no matter what you say, Josh, it's going to be some other. Well, how many national championships do you have or how many this do you have or or you la la whatever, dude, I, I, I care less about what LSU thinks. I mean, it is great to have in your back pocket just to throw out there when they try to, you know, just just puff their chest out. But uh, for me, it's for me, it's it's not only meaningful because like you said now we're we're in it we're in the game before we get there and we're not automatically chalking it up as a loss i think the fact that we have a chance to go in there and upset them is is huge um but i think for me more than anything it's one that we get us bowl eligible to me that is the number one goal so that i would be excited about that number two i'd be excited obviously going on the road beating an acc team that that would be awesome but but number three it really to me, it helps springboard not only us into next season, but also recruiting. I mean, how much yes. how, how much time will we get on ESPN showing, you know, Louisiana beats Florida State and how many blog posts will be out there and how many Twitter tweets and whatever. Like, it'll be all over the place. To me, that is the most more valuable thing out of all of this is that our recruits will see it. Our players will feel good about themselves. They could go in and, and maybe get a seven win season. And then going into next year, it, it really helps us out. So um, for me, that's bigger than LSU. Again, no matter what we do, we could go out and, and make. I mean, if we had made a New Year's Six Bowl this year, LSU would still come up with something. Well, you didn't win the Natty in 19 and you didn't do this and you didn't do that. So it doesn't matter what we do. We could win the national championship of the universe of the world and they would still find a way to come back and say how much better than than us they are. So that doesn't matter to me. Jerry, real quick, real quick. I'm not familiar with those three letters. I'm not familiar at all. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, but but the other thing is that the reason why I'm setting up the narrative is because I already know the narrative is going to be, well, Florida State does it again. Florida State, oh, they're not back, not back. So my narrative already, like my fallback narrative is going to be, well, so what? We beat the same team. Even if we don't, like, I don't know. Even if we have two straight losses after this game, at least I can rest and say, well, you know what? We beat a team that beat... The all-knowing, almighty, powerful school across the basin. Go ahead, Jerry. Sorry. No, it's like Nick said, though. Like, I remember 10, 15 years ago, their fans used to talk trash to us saying, we'll win games. We started winning games. We'll win games that mean something. We started winning games that meant something. We'll win a natty. So it's, it's kind of like every time we do something that the trash talk requires us to do it gets higher and higher right so at that point i kind of ignore it don't get me wrong i would think it's pretty funny if we found a way to beat florida state and they didn't i mean we could honestly that would just trigger people uh it would just trigger a few of their fans and they would find a way out oh, little brother blah 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 you know no we but did it, the name game thing again well they call them they're not losing yeah if you want to do like honestly it would be funny to do it just to, to just to get a reaction because you know we'll get a reaction out of it i mean some of the stuff we've tweeted in the past we've done it just to get a reaction and, and they take the bait every time but i think it would be bigger for us to win this game because 
first of all, again, we get bowl eligible. Secondly, I think it'll salvage a lot of shortcomings that we've had this year, um, like losing to Southern Miss, losing to ULM. I think that'll kind of it would kind of ease the pain of that a little bit, ease the pain of some of the disappointments we've experienced. And also too, I mean, you have a pathway to, if you go, you win this game, you're six and five, you have a pathway to beating Texas state. You win that game, you're seven and five and you guarantee a winning season. So I think that would be huge. You know, beating Florida state, it also helps with recruiting. You can use that in the off season. You can go and, and really, you know, you joke about, uh, if we were to beat a team that the school across the base and lost to, you can use that for recruiting. Be like, hey, look, come to our school. We beat a team that they couldn't beat. That would be huge. So I think there are some factors into this game uh, outside of just the fan trash talk. I think this type of win could push us forward, even in spite of the 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 the, the so-called prognosticators talking about, wow, you know, Florida State lost another disappointing game. Oh, here we go, Jacksonville State Part Two. Doesn't matter because right now Florida State's hot. Right now, they're playing good football. Right now, they're back in the top 25. Right now, Mike Norvell has them going in the right direction. If anything, I think that would kind of seal – it would seal a certain perception to, to Dez to show that he can beat the big school, to show that maybe he – maybe you know, to the naysayers, maybe he is qualified for this job in the long run. So I think those are the type of factors that go into this weekend – if we were to beat Florida state, I, I think that would be huge for us. I think it would give us momentum that we might've lost losing some of these close games going into the off season as well. Just have to go on Saturday, play the game and, and see where the chips fall. But if we win, it would be huge. But I want to say, Josh, I don't think the narrative would be, Oh, look, it's Florida state again. I think our conference mates have have made it almost an expectation that Sunbelt teams are going to give a power five team a run for their money. So I think that the narrative would be here comes the fun belt again, rather than, Oh, look how crappy Florida state is. I, I just, I think that would be the narrative. Um, but I mean, beat them and let's see what happens. You know, it's a good point. No, it's a fair point. I think it's like Rick Jones said, if we ever want to elevate the fan base to where we need to be, we got to stop looking at tech and we got to stop looking at ULM and all these other schools. People need to understand that our rival is that school across the basin. And I think that it's games like this that give us that opportunity to be able to have a, I mean, call it bragging rights, call it whatever you want. I think that there's a, a segment of our population fan base wise, like me that understand that if we, if we are going to take the step, we got to win these games. And you got to have a little bit a bit of that ammunition to be able to use. And here's the other thing. And look, some of it's petty, and I'm I'm in for the petty stuff. What's what's fun about college football if not for the pettiness? But the other thing is that regardless, beating Florida State on the road would be one of the biggest wins in program history. Even still, even after all of our success over the last few years, even after a Sunbelt Conference championship at home, even after all the stuff, the Iowa State wins, everything, that would still be a top. 10 win in program history, maybe top five. I mean, I think they're 23 in the playoff ranking and 20 in the AP poll. Jerry, am I right about that? Yeah. And to be honest with you, from a, from a programs, from a historical program standpoint, sure. it would be our biggest win. I mean, the team's got two national titles in the last 25 years. You know, you had Bobby Bowden coach there. You've had Heisman trophy winners, even with the win against Texas A&M in 96, Florida State, I think, has a richer history than, than Texas A&M, even at that time. Um, you know, and of course, 
no offense to Iowa State, but they definitely have more tradition than Iowa State. I mean, Florida State, in spite of some of their shortcomings over the last couple of years, it's still a big name program. People know who they are. People know their traditions. People know about their history. Perception wise, to me, this would be the biggest win in our program's history. I mean, you beat a team like that. Um, that's something that we'll never forget. That's very interesting. Nick, you agree? Biggest win in program history? Um, maybe. I mean, definitely top five. I would say top five. I don't know. I, I think because of their history, like you said, uh, Jerry, but to me, when you look at the fact that when we went on the road to Iowa State, that was a program-defining win. To me, that's number one. Now, only because we had never done anything like that before. To me, this is like a two or three because now we're we're upholding that, that we can go on the road and do it. So I wouldn't say the biggest, but I would say it's up there. Well, no, I'm talking about from percept- a perception standpoint. Program right. As far as beating a team with a program history, they've got their, their – it would be the, the – the, I would say it would be a win against the richest program. Like a team with the richest program history would be Florida State. I think our biggest win was Iowa State. I mean, look, that Iowa State team was a runner-up for the Big 12. They won the Fiesta Bowl the year we beat them. They came within a game of making the college football playoff. But I think as far as perception of beating a big-time program, by far this would be the biggest win. And Florida State has so much history to it. I think we're framing it all a different way. I think, first of all, our best win in history is against A&M because it was at home and it put us on the map. You know, and, and by the way, we had a legendary quarterback at the helm. So I think because of all of those things, because of staying power and memory and all those things, I think A&M still is number one. I think Iowa State's number two because it came in a season where we were extremely successful. We did something after the win. So I would put that number two. You go beat Florida State this season. Uh, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's probably three or four, honestly. Uh, I'd have to put some thought into that. I, I really didn't, but it's still, I think we can all agree it's a top five win. I think it's a top five win. Easily. On the road, top Easily. 25, Florida Absolutely. State. Yeah. Well, good. So that's something to think about. I really hadn't put that much thought into and it. And look, I think there is not one person in our locker room, and, and more than more than any other season, that doesn't think that they can go and win at Florida State. There is not one person that is not expecting to go and win at Florida State. So... To me, that gives me a little boost and saying, look, we might get our butts kicked, but we're going in there and 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 I feel like we have a chance. So that's um, that's what I'm looking forward to. Just got to get the execution. If we execute, who knows what can happen? I mean, we've been executing lately and starting to pick up. So you never know. Uh, They're going to go in there and give it their best shot. And that's that's I know that that's going to happen. Seems like Mike's teams play their best when they need it the most. And, And that's something that's kind of been a trend. So, speaking of giving it your best, women's basketball loses to the number three ranked team in the country, the Texas Longhorns, a few days ago. Uh, gave it all they had. I think with 10 minutes left in the game, we were down by 10. Or excuse me, eight minutes left in the game, down by 10. So, the women went out and put on a good show. They gave a gritty effort. They end up falling to Texas. I think they end up losing by 16 or so, but made it a game throughout. They are in Lubbock tonight and unfortunately lost to the Colorado Buffaloes 73-43. to Colorado just kind of overwhelmed them in the first half and uh, a couple of big runs offensively, uh, you know, let Colorado run away from them. That is the women's NIT, preseason NIT. And, you know, that's really a prestigious event to be a part of. So it's good on us. It's good representation of the university. Amazing that they thought that much of us to invite us to that that event. You know, uh, I don't know how good Colorado is going to be. I know that we got a great win against Houston, and we talked about that. That, that Texas game – in the long run, will help us out. 
And look, and they the biggest thing in that game was we couldn't hit free throws. Like that that's was, it. and not only that, but they had this one player that's like six four, and she, I mean, she was just a monster. Uh, but but <laughs> you hit you hit those free throws, and instead of being like forty eight percent or whatever we were, you go seventy five, eighty percent. It's a it's much more interesting game going into the uh, the fourth the fourth period. So uh, kudos to the girls; they they did a great job and. Um, I, I think it's going to be a fun season going forward. Yeah, I mean, look, you played a team close like that for most of the game. The problem is still Texas is still the number two, three team in the country. Teams in the top 10 are going to know how to finish, and teams like ours, they need to find ways to, to get over that hump. And that's where the challenge lies, and that's the difference between someone who's number three and someone who's not. Uh, I definitely commend Coach, Coach Broadhead for – um, facing those type of challenges, even tonight against Colorado. Look, this is the same Colorado team we faced in the WNIT co- a couple years ago and came up short. So, you know, it's nice to be able to play some familiar teams like that. It's nice to see that, you know, these tournaments look up to us to actually invite us to these tournaments. So that just goes to show you the perception of what some of these um, tournaments and some of these other teams think of us. You know, so I'll take that. Uh, I think it's only going to help us get better as the season goes on. I know we probably have some easy games coming up down the stretch, kind of boost our record a little bit before conference. But no, I think they're off to a decent start. Obviously, you're not going to win against the best all the time. Just want to be competitive, stay injury free, get better as the season goes on because it's still early. Agree. And. The women NIT, the preseason women NIT is uh, is going to continue tomorrow, and they're going to women are going to play Jackson State, favored to win the SWAC, uh, four thirty in Lubbock. That'll be another interesting matchup. It's going to be a team that's not a pushover. Again, they're in the NIT for a reason, uh, so that'll be something to keep your eye on. The women will come back home to the Cajun Dome November the twentieth, that's Sunday, to take on Texas Tech, another Big Twelve opponent, uh, an opponent that you know hasn't. They've been kind of down lately, but they have tradition in that program. And look, regardless of what you think, they have the branding of Texas Tech. They're going to bring a good squad into the Cajun Dome. It's a really good home game for the fans. Something to look forward to if you're a women's basketball fan or supporter or whatever. That's a Gary just goes out and makes good schedules. I mean, what can you say? You know, we we complain about schedules a lot here, but Gary does it about as good as anybody else does. What do you think, Jerry? Let's see. We've had Auburn come to the Cajun Dome. We had the school across the basin come to the Cajun Dome. We've had Mississippi State come to the Cajun Dome. We opened the season up with Houston this year in the Cajun Dome. Um, I mean, I don't know how you can get much better than that at that point for non-conference competition. There's, uh, it's, I don't, not a, it's, it's not, a, it's not a, 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 a secret why they've been competitive year in and year out, and they're getting better as a program. When you play things, like how, how many times did Tony say it? Iron sharpens iron. I want to see what I can do early in the season so that I can be tournament ready when it comes time for March. But what does it say about Gary and what he's been able to do to bring in those type of teams to the Cajun Dome? Obviously, the other, you know, those coaches have enough respect for him and in our program for them to make the trip down here and travel. I mean, that's expenses, that's time, that's gas money, that's class time for the girls on these other teams. And for them to actually come here and want to play us here, especially from conferences like the SEC and the Big 12, that says a lot. Oh, and I forgot to add, I believe Texas Tech has made a trip down here as well. That's to me, I mean, you Where can't ask trip on Sunday. You can't ask for much more than that. Yeah, you got Texas Tech coming here on Sunday. You can't ask much. You can't ask much more than that. I, Jerry, I don't. 
I think you hit the nail on the head. Relationships. I mean, Kim Mulkey, after after we played them, she just had she was just raving about Gary and his program and his coaching and how good of a person he is. So that translates right in, in the coaching world. And that may th those relationships are what matters when it comes to scheduling, because you got to get creative and you got to have those relationship with with those coaches to make it happen. So I think that's important and huge. And she said in that post-game press conference, she said somebody had asked her, "Do you are you willing to play them more often? Would you make a return trip to the Cajun Dome? And the, what did she say? As long as they give us a return trip to the PMAC. Yeah. So oh, yeah. you might have a Every series year. that just started up. So exactly. that's that says a lot about, you know, like you said, relationships mean a lot. Again, when you attract SEC and Big 12 schools to come to your place, that goes to show you, obviously, there is enough respect for our program. There's enough respect for the coaches to be able to have these conversations and are willing to, to – um, to negotiate deals. I think that's great. I think that's great. Anytime you have a Texas, again, a Texas tech, a Houston an Auburn, a Mississippi state, you know, I'll say it out of respect for coach Malky and LSU. That's, that's respect right there. So I'll take that all day. I mean, you can't ask for much better than that for a non-conference home game. And the fact that they want us to return the trip goes a long way. They want to continue the relationship. That goes a long way. Relationships. How long have we been talking about it? But I digress. Anyway, again, Texas Tech, November the 20th. That's this coming Sunday. Uh, they're calling it the Thanksgiving game. Sunday, fun day, Thanksgiving game in the Cajun Dome, 4 p.m. Should be fun. Uh, Tamara Johnson continues to lead the team in points per game at 15. She also leads the team in rebounds per game at just under 10. So she's doing work down low. Go out, see the women play some good quality basketball against some good quality opponents. Volleyball took one on the chin this past week against App State, who, by the way, has won 11 out of 12 and are absolutely smoking hot right now. Uh, the Cajuns went up and won one set out of seven. Really tough. I mean, look, you go to Boone. I'm, uh, maybe it was the uh, maybe it was the. Uh, <laughs> the elevation elevation really got him there i don't know who knows uh no i'm kidding that's a basketball joke but you know the girls went out they, they ran into a buzzsaw okay so they, they get they got kind of dominated a little bit there unfortunate way to end the season they will be in foley alabama for the sunbelt conference championships that start thursday november the 17th they will play ab state 7 30 p.m on that thursday uh good luck to the girls I think they have the opportunity to win. Uh, obviously, didn't have the showing you wanted to against App State and Boone, but this is a, you know, you got to get rid of it. Burn burn the tape, start over, go make a run. We know you guys can do it. We'll be rooting for you and watching on the Plus. It is available on the Plus, by the way. Anyway, I've been getting a lot of requests to talk about baseball. I don't know the game didn't count, and I, I sent out a tweet that said, game doesn't count, duck season starts, Saints are playing, it's cold, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we still had 35 to 400 to 4,000 people. And, you know, I don't want to turn this into an attendance thing, so we'll just talk about baseball. But the, the team was packed to see some, some good quality baseball. You can bring your own beer in there. I guess that helps. Uh, but the concessions were open. It was fun to be at the park. Um, that school across the basin obviously has a ton of talent on the mound, in the field, at the plate. They obviously are going to be a problem in the SEC again this year. Jay Johnson is not a—he's not a scrub. I mean, the guy knows what he's doing. He will abuse arms, but he knows I how to find talent. I was about to say, <laughs> yeah. beat me to it, man. He—he he does know how to find talent. I mean, look, 
He just does. He, just say what you want about how he abuses players. It's just true. He <laughs> he knows how to find players. Anyway, uh, it was a fun uh, environment. It was a fun. I just love being at the T. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, anytime you can be at the T, I, I go watch. You know, travel ball over there. I don't care. Uh, but it was fun. We didn't go out. It, it wasn't a traditional game, obviously. You know, people got on the staff for giving up a bunch of runs, and I think they gave up seven in the first game. Am I right on that? Seven, two. So they start with Preacher, uh, Jake Hammond, and I've been told by a couple guys on the team that he's developed a third pitch that he relies on. I'm not real sure what it is. It looks like a split like a split change. It, it's kind of a hybrid, very interesting pitch. We'll call it a Shaw's ball. A Shaw's ball. Go with it. Uh, which was effective, but one thing that I, I figured with Jake is that in the second, in that second inning, uh, you know, a few things let him down, but still got to locate. He still got to locate, and he, you know, a few things kind of you know, they resurfaced from the end of last year. I doubt that they're going to try to put him in a starter role, so I don't think we have to worry about that. But if he can locate and he has command of three good pitches, like he showed, he's going to be a problem for six to nine outs. I, I don't. I, I, first of all, I love him in the reliever role. I don't know why you would try to move him unless it's absolutely necessary. I don't think it's necessary, uh, but it was interesting to see him come out first. Then you saw J, uh, Blake Marshall, who hasn't seen live pitching or live hitting in almost two years. He gives you the power lefty. Oh, by the way, speaking of a power lefty, Hogan Harris made the 40-man roster for the Athletics today. That's so solid. shout out to the Harris family. And Hogan, uh, definitely a major league talent, so we're rooting for him and be, we'll be watching. Um, but anyway, Blake Marshall gives you the power lefty that you haven't had probably since Hogan. He's got dominating stuff. He throws a cut that go, that just dives into the right-handed batter. Uh, he'll probably live 92 to 93 once he's fully healthy and loose. I think that is a huge weapon. Um, I'm interested to see what he's going to do. Obviously, you guys know I, I'm a big fan of Blake. And then you got Moody coming in. You got Juhas coming in. You got all these guys that are fighting for innings and who knows what they're going to look like. Tommy Ray looks like he's put on about 15 pounds. He looks big and strong. I just need to see him attack hitters. I've always thought that Tommy had good stuff. You know, like in some in some outings, he had unhittable stuff where his ball was just diving out of the zone. You can't be scared to attack hitters. Not at this level. You got to go get people. You can't be scared to leave your stuff over the plate. We have a couple of guys that have really good stuff. Blake McGee, great example. Elite spin rate. Scared to throw strikes. And there's no shot at Blake. You know, welcome to the program. Uh, you know, I don't want to be rude. I think that once once these guys get rid of that worry about giving up a hit, just go attack hitters. This pitching staff has talent. It's going to be on Seth to go out and piece it together. He did it last year. And we didn't give him enough credit. I personally didn't give him enough credit for what he was able to do late in the season, especially in tournament play. They found what worked. They found a winning formula with guys that were not traditional starters. So Seth did a great job. If he can replicate that and figure out who fits where and find roles for guys, this team is going to be good because I'm telling you right now we're going to hit the baseball. It's Look, very obvious. And let's not forget that when he was at Nichols, that was his pedigree. I mean, they had one of the top pitching staffs in the country for a couple of years. So I have trust in Seth that he's going to get it done. Tib, Tib knows what he's doing. He's just got to get his guys in there. He's got to get his process in place, which which I think he's, you know, a year under his belt 
he's getting there. So uh, so if if as long I think as long as we have run support and we give the pitchers the ability to, as you said, attack the zone. I think we're going to be in good shape next next season. Now, if we start this thing where we're struggling at the plate, we're pressing, we're, we're trying too hard, then I think, you know, any pitching staff will, will will not have confidence to throw it in the zone. But but again, if you you go up a couple runs early in the game and you got pitchers attacking, uh, it's going to. That, that that that's what you need that that's exactly what we need because from what i've seen especially against tulane we're gonna swing it right so we just need a little bit of pitching support to back us up there and it could be a special season for us it's like i've said since the beginning we're gonna score runs the, pretty much almost the entire lineup is back you saw that deck style of, of of baseball towards the end of last year into the regional to the point of where we literally went toe-to-toe with texas a&m all we need, all we need is a pitching staff that can show some consistency and, and really just finalize a weekend rotation. Once we do that and solidify some consistency there with a few guys, a few good arms in the bullpen, maybe find one or two midweek guys that can show some consistency as well. The bats are there. You do that, we're going to win some games, and it's going to be a very fun year. I'm so fired up about this season. I'm so fired up to see what these bats can do. I think that Degg's style gritty baseball is here to stay um really all we need is just a good a good weekend rotation i know a lot of times in the past we've started out the season with a a a weekend rotation that has changed and it's evolved over the over the as the season went on or over the year um but this time around we do have some decent arms we did get a lot of new guys but to your point uh, Tib's going to have to work with them and be able to put them in the right position and where they need to be. I think once he does that, the bats are going to take care of itself. And I think it's going to be a fun year. I'm looking at this team, knock on wood, barring any injuries. I'm looking at another regional appearance. I, I, that's what I see. I mean, that's, it, we just, we just have too much talent to, to come up short. And I think it's perfect timing with those four teams coming into the Sun Belt and the way our non-conference schedule plays out. I think it's perfect timing to actually win the games we're supposed to win, go toe-to-toe with teams that will give us a run for our money, just enough to where our RPI can be high enough to get us or solidify a spot in a regional, even in spite of winning the conference tournament. So, you know, again, pitching and defense, getting the timely hit, those are real robes three keys i think if we do that we'll be fine look i'm driving to louisiana because you know i live in texas i'm driving to louisiana getting on my little caesars app and betting for the cajuns to be in a super regional that is why? my pick why i'm calling it now like that i'm calling it now it's i do not happen. condone i do not endorse no. yeah i do yeah. not i don't super stand for any of this regional that man We're just hexed it, baby i hope you didn't hex this just now nick I'm gonna I'm gonna remember Bruh. this if it backfires. Where's the Rage Review disclaimer that y'all used to make me say? I can make a difference in the path of this team. Okay, <laughs> I got some oceanfront property in Shawsville to sell you. Usually we, we have to do, do a, a disclaimer a, a for dance. Man About Town. We got to do the Man About Town disclaimer. We're gonna have to pass that on to Nick. I know I got to remember it. I, I haven't used it in so long. I've been being good. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Anyway, I like uh, so. Anyway, defensively, I, I think we're gonna hit the baseball just fine. Look, Julian Brock looks all the. I mean, he looks every bit the All-American catcher we thought we were getting back. Uh, I, I think I, I've said it before. I think Hoodie is poised to have like a Caleb Adams type season. I think Max moving to second base is gonna be very interesting, but it gives us a lot of range on the right side, especially with 
all the damn shifting that Degs does. Anyway, uh, of course, I love Rock and Center. I am interested to see who's going to win the first base role. Uh, because if Connor is not going to be, Connor Higgs is not going to be a DH, he's very competent at first base. We haven't had a real corner bat at first base since Compton. Honestly, it's been a long time. So is it going to be Connor? Is it going to be Mason Zombo, who I like a whole lot? Every time the guy comes up to the plate, whether it be in a scrimmage or an intermir- uh, inner squad, he hits the ball to the fence every single time. He makes great contact. Um, he doesn't strike out a whole lot for a big guy. I'm interested to see what how first base is going to shake out. And then also the other corner, you got John Taylor, who I like a whole lot. I think he's a gritty dude. His glove is ridiculous. If he can hit with consistency, I think it's his job. And then you have Peyton Lejeune, who are, they actually said Lejeune uh, during the game at PA. So I don't know if the PA guy got it right. I guess I'll just go with Lejeune. Anyway, obviously he was a, a, a coveted recruit out of LSUE. Deggs wanted him here. Who knows what was said. He's going to get every opportunity to win that job. I haven't seen a ton out of him. Uh, but again, it's practice. It's it's games that don't count. So I'm going to I'm going to reserve judgment. I'm just telling you personally, just by watching a little bit on the field. I really, really like John Taylor. I really yeah, like his attitude. And I like our defense. I think we're going to yes. be upgraded on our defense this season for, for various reasons. Um, but I, but I like what I've seen. I've liked what I've heard. I might have an inside connection to the team that might have told me some things that that he likes as well. So really, uh, I like what I, I like what I see. But back to the Lejeune Lejeune thing. Look, I, I would not be surprised if my brother had a hand in that because he told me at the beginning of the season, hey, by the way, it's Blake Trahal. And I'm like, okay, like Trahal. And I announced it for like three games. And then I find out, I'm like, are you kidding me? So, uh, and that was a joke he had between he and Blake. So my brother probably got to tuna. He probably did. So if we went around the parishes. If you're from St. Landry Parish, it's Lejeune. And if you're from if Lafayette, you're from, it's Lejeune. Come on, man. Lejeune, Lejeune, Lejeune. I mean, they insert, you know, it's like, what is it? LeCompte, that's LeCount. That makes absolutely no sense. We just make stuff up just so we can tell other people they're wrong. I think that's what happens. Well, but we're going with Lejeune name, for now. Right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you have to put so, the right emphasis on the right syllable. Then you get yes. it all good. All in all, and Debo's better, by the way. Debo looks I mean, he looks great. Anytime oh. it's two outs, if Debo comes to the plate, you can bet your ass he's on base. He's getting a hit. He's getting hit by a pitch. He's walking. Debo's, I, I can't wait to see what this guy does this year. It's crazy because, like, he was already outstanding last year, so I can only imagine what better looks like for him. I, I'm, you know how I am. I'm, I'm very, I, I, I'm careful with what I say about baseball, especially the last five, six years. I'm excited to see what these guys can do against real competition. Oh, me too. Uh, me too, man. You know what I think. I like what we got. Yeah, I know. We don't <laughs> want to hear it again, Nick. <laughs> nah, that quiet, quiet. Anyway, that school across the basin's got some players. I think they're going to be a problem in the SEC. They're probably going to be a 10, top 10, top 12 type team for this coming season. I like what they have. Uh, they got a lot of, of, of seniority coming back also. If they find a couple of guys on Friday, Saturday, they're going to be really Well, he, look, and, and the thing is, Jay Johnson went into the portal. I mean, he dug into the portal deep with some really good talent. Um, I mean, this is a year where they're suppo- they're going to shine, I think. Uh, but again, that's great competition for us. You know, I look at baseball and softball differently when we play them because we benefit playing them and they benefit playing us regardless of what their fans think and oh no you're a little brother this no 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 
would you rather play us or would you rather play some rink-a-dink, you know, midweek game against some team in the, with an RPI in the 300s? So, like tech. We benefit each other. I think we Look, benefit each other in the diamond sports there. So I've got it's nothing. I've got nothing bad to say about their baseball fans. They're knowledgeable. They know the game. Now, not all ten thousand fans that go to their game. Probably about five thousand of those know the game. The others are just there to take selfies and post on TikTok. I'll it's say like, this: It's like Jerry always says, when you start from home plate, the further you get away from home plate, the dumber the <laughs> yes, fan gets. Exactly. Let me tell you. I, look, every time we've gone to a game at the box when the Cajuns played there, we usually sit in the main grandstand area and we always end up in having good conversations with their fans they're knowledgeable they they actually have believe it or not have respect for our program um you know we compliment each other we talk about what they have what we have but i've actually the further you go out towards the outfield it's a little (laughs) bit different conversation than it is close to home plate. and don't even think about sitting in the outfield yeah it won't last two innings right right no but all right so those were my thoughts on baseball uh Shout out to Mr. Ray for talking to uh, to the podcast about talking baseball. Of course, I was going to talk baseball anytime I can. I'm definitely bringing it up. Uh, it was a lot of fun to be out there this past weekend. So, got something on the rundown that I didn't tell the boys about. Uh, I'm going to bring in a mercenary to do the job for us because we've kind of taken a stance on this particular issue. So, I figured that this was a good compromise where we don't have to compromise our values, but we can get the message across so without without further ado, we're going to bring in one of our best listeners and most engaged followers, Mr. Jacob, to talk about an issue uh, that he would like to talk to you all about. Jacob, thanks for joining the Raging Review podcast. How are you? I'm doing well, fellas. How about y'all? Doing good. Thanks for joining. Uh, I understand that you have a PSA for the folks. Yeah, for sure. Well, first, I, I appreciate y'all having me on. Uh, I'll give I'll give the disclaimer ahead ahead of time. I'm not a, I'm not affiliated with Rage and Review, as as Josh said. I'm 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 an avid listener. I like interacting with the post game uh, spaces for football. I'm also not a member of the Rebounders Club Booster Group social and, club right and i'm not a i'm not affiliated with the athletics department i'm just a big ul men's basketball fan there you go uh, so we got all the disclaimers out of the way so go ahead jake yeah good. so yeah a little a little background on me throughout undergrad i worked as a student manager for the team so I'm, I'm really invested with with the sport i love it um and we got a big game coming up on thursday against louisiana tech and if you're a raging cajuns fan i know you really dislike louisiana tech um so yeah, big game starts at tip tip off at seven. Um, I saw some student tweets going around that they're going to be doing a student tailgate. I'm going to try to find out more information on how to possibly start a non-student tailgate for those basketball games, just to you know improve the culture, like take it one step forward. Um, you know, going into the future, we could establish something right now that five, 10, 15 years down the line still goes on. Um, when all these players and coaches or whoever have gone uh, gone past. Um, Sunbelt basketball looks pretty strong this year. If y'all have been paying attention across the league, um, we've had some, some major upsets. Uh, I mean, people call them upsets, but for people who follow Sunbelt basketball, you know how strong the teams are in our conference. And uh, hopefully we're, we're getting closer and closer to being a two-bid league. Um, some notable victories over the past two days. Uh, Troy beat um, Florida State yesterday, so that was a pretty good win for for the belt. And today, App State beat Louisville uh, in Louisville, Kentucky. 
Another big win a couple days ago was Southern Miss uh, going on the road as a 13-and-a-half-point dog and beating uh, Vanderbilt in Nashville, 60-48. Um, to 48. So we've got some strong teams. You know, as we get closer and closer to conference schedule, um, although we did get picked first preseason, you know, the other coaches have a lot of respect for our team going into this season. Know that each team in the Sun Belt is going to be a tough game every week. So um, if you're interested in seeing good basketball, I encourage you to come to the game. We've got some new coaches on the bench this year. Uh, Donovan Cates came from the University of Alabama after working under Nate Oates. And uh, Casey Perrin uh, recently, he's worked with uh, Chris Beard at Texas Tech and over the University of Texas. Um, so we got two new coaches on the bench this year. Obviously, our, our players, I think one of the biggest reasons we were picked to finish first in the league is we had the least amount of transfers out of our program, right? Our, our biggest loss was Theo Akuba. Um, going to Ole Miss, but for the most part, we've returned five out of our six top scorers coming into this uh, season, and we picked up a good get. I know uh, a bad loss last year was losing to Jackson State at home, but we took their best player, who has played who has played awesome so far. He he's scored a twenty point game. He was our Asheville tournament. Uh, MVP, comparing him to Bryce Washington, saying he's as good, but this dude is an aggressive uh, rebounder, probably the most aggressive offensive and defensive rebounder I've seen since Bryce was on the team. Um, but yeah, so uh, I know there's about 10 people watching the stream right now. I know a lot of uh, the listeners listen to it in, in podcast form or over YouTube listening to it. Take this as your invitation to come out on Thursday and watch the team. Um, Obviously, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion, however it may be towards men's basketball or whoever, whenever, whatever. Um, come out and support the Cajuns. You know, as, as we all say, like I've heard it time and time again, you know, we support UL athletics, whether we're in the dumps or at the high. Let's go out and, and support our boys. Um, that's all I got. I welcome any questions. I got questions. The best of my ability, but I, I, I got questions. You pique my interest, which, by the way, I want to set something straight. Sure. We average about fifteen hundred consumptions per episode. Just that's all. Yeah, yeah. You're good. I wasn't. I wasn't uh, taking a shot or anything. I was just everybody looking. Now. We do okay. Uh, but but no. Uh, so the guy that you were talking about from Jackson State is that Lewis? Yeah, Terrence Lewis. Yeah. Okay. So I wasn't aware about that transfer. So that's interesting. I keep seeing his name pop up. So. Good to know where he came from. That's that's interesting. Yeah, I, I mentioned think if he didn't come from Jackson State, he's he, we're his fifth stop. So he played at two different JUCOs. He played at Jackson State and North Texas. I think he went North Texas, Jackson State, and he's a grad transfer and came here. We okay. recruited him before he chose North Texas, and then he came to UL this season. And he's played really well so far this season. Yeah, sounds like it. Uh, Two questions that I have about the tailgate thing you mentioned. Number one, you said there's a student tailgate that's cropping up. First question is, where is it? Second question is, the tailgate that you're wanting to start, ideally, where do you think that's going to take place? Answering the first question, I believe I saw the tweet saying it would be on the Theta Xi lot on Fraternity Row, which is the open space between two fraternity houses right when you pull into the fraternity row parking lot i'm interested to see how that works out but that was the tweet that i saw cropping up uh on twitter and to answer your second question i have no clue my 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 entire like men's basketball experience has been from on or behind the bench 
So I don't, this is going to be like my first real season attending games as a fan. Oh, that's um, cool. So we'll, I don't well, know. Hey, I'm, I'm what, eager to figure it out. What about this? So how did, what time do you think you'll get out there? What is it going to look like? You know, obviously for football, you get there on a Saturday morning, you tailgate until four or six or whatever. What do, what do you envision this looking like uh, for, for basketball, say early afternoon? Like also, well, I'll ask the question later, but what, what does it look like to you? Sure. I mean, obviously, you know, basketball is pretty unique in, in its scheduling and non-conference. You have games happening on different nights throughout the week. But when you start fleshing out into conference season, the team usually has games on Thursdays and Saturdays. Um, I guess Thursday night games would be pretty difficult to do tailgates like as we know them to traditionally be. However, I know the students are going to try theirs uh, this upcoming Thursday. But I would assume it would happen somewhere near the underpass or right right outside the underpass. Um, I know that they, they've tried encouraging people to go into the table room before games, the, the new bar Cajun Dome establishment. That thingy. was the question that I had. Why the hell aren't we utilizing that? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of going into it blind. As I said before, this is going to be like my first real season attending it as a fan. So I'm eager to find out how, how things kind of operate. I went to the centenary game at home, our season opener, and it was pretty interesting how they had the women's game before. Um, it was a doubleheader, but the women's game was free to attend. So when that game concluded, they had to clear the arena of all of the fans while all the men's, like the people wanting to go to the men's game had to wait outside until the entire arena was cleared. And then they had like two doors open with scanners, having all the people waiting, walk in. I think tip off kind of got pushed back to like 740 or 640 instead of 630 or 740 instead of 730, whatever, like, 10, 15 minutes pushback, but um, I don't know. I'm, I'm eager to kind of get a feel for it and see see what works out and try to get more people around there. You know, I, I think of it this way, like you're building culture, the more people in there, the better the atmosphere. You know, when you think about like Nebraska football, I know this is an, a, a weird um, example, but like Nebraska football has not been good the past five, six, 10 years, right? It's they have the longest, they have the longest sellout streak in the country. That's a lot of, it's a lot of eyes for accountability, but also a lot of support for those players in that team. It encourages people to come um, both as fans, but also like prospects when they come in, they want to be there or even future, whatever, you know, come to, coming to school. So um, I think building the culture today could do a lot going forward in the future. You're right. Fellas, questions for Jake. Nah, man, I just want to first thank you for, you know, coming out and supporting the program and trying to make a difference and trying to get things organically done. Um, so that that's really my message. You know, there's so much that has caught on in different sports that are organic, that weren't pushed by the administration that people came up with themselves. Um, so I appreciate that. And, and thank you for, for taking a stand and trying to get something going. I, I've done that. <laughs> I've been in your position where I try to get things, things going and they worked. And, and sometimes it just takes one person to make a difference. So I appreciate it. 
Hey man, I'm I'm just trying to get people to the game on Thursday. I'm trying to beat Tech. That's as, <laughs> it's as simple as that. I'm inviting way, you to the game. Yeah, I I look. We could play tiddlywings with Tech, and I I'd want to crush them. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't take much for me to want to beat them at anything. Yeah, I was gonna say rock paper scissors, badminton. Tic-tac-toe, I don't care. I just want to beat him, like you said. Uh, no, Jacob, I'll, I'll reiterate what Nick said. Um, to start off this organic event that you're doing with tailgating, I think is huge. I think that's something that when most schools a lot of times have rich traditions, it starts off organically. You don't really have it forced on the fans. It's just a bunch of fans getting together and just doing something that kind of reflects their love for a particular team, a particular program, and it usually um, – grows into something big i hope what you're doing thursday night can do the same um but don't don't let it don't i'll say this as as somebody who has seen us in the past try don't get discouraged if it's a small you know uh turnout in the beginning right you got to keep you got to keep persisting that's one thing i will ask of you if you want to get this tradition really going you know we talked about it here at rage review when we started out we were getting how many josh maybe 50 7, 000. what are you talking about 50 no, uh nobody nobody cared nobody wanted to hear what we had to yeah, say nobody 50 cared, listens so. and you know we just it only took us three freaking years what you mean josh i still don't right. care what you have to say I ah, but at point. least more people don't care you gotta you, they care without caring right but in all seriousness though jacob i mean that this could be something that could be very special so just keep being persistent on it be consistent you obviously have a passion for the program you have a passion for your, for the cajuns and that's really that's what makes makes our fans so unique is when you bring that passion and you in, indulge that with our cajun culture it becomes something very special especially something unique as well so uh kudos to you for doing that and uh hope this turns into something special uh and in the end of the day well, listen, hey, it's it's not it's not all on me. You know, I'd love for this to be like a prime example of and, and this is kind of like my statement of, of encouragement to to the students to take ownership in something. You know, we've seen I, I know from my personal experience, having graduated from the school in 2019, I remember when our tailgates got moved from the trees lining the stadium to across the street, across the street from bourgeois where it takes you 20 minutes to walk to the stadium now, right? So like, I, I really loved seeing that tweet from whoever, whatever student runs that Barstool UL, Barstool Raging Cajuns account, that really gave me a lot of hope. And like, maybe I can assist whoever's running that um, and, and bringing that and letting them kind of lead the charge and take ownership of something um, that, that they can have a say in like what's going on and going to the future. Before I turn it over to you, Josh, I just want to say, so I worked with the baseball program for, God, I'm going to age myself, like 20 years, like from Robe's third year till 19, or till 19, till 2019. And I went back in like 2021 for my first time ever not being a part of the program, watching the game. It's weird as hell. You're going to want to drink a lot because otherwise you're going to cry. So uh, just prepare yourself. It is going to be seriously weird and sentimental and, and all that stuff. Hey, man, I'm looking for I, I love basketball. I love basketball. So um, we'll see what happens. You know, I, I went to grad school at KU and, and they're like the best at basketball. So allegedly we'll see hey, if they beat Duke before we let before we let you go. Here's the thing. Need to know what time you're going to be set up and where. Listen, I'm, I'm not I'm. 
I don't know what, maybe we got some wires crossed. I'm not starting the tailgate this week. I'm trying to figure out what's going down with the students on Thursday. And I'm going to try to let them lead the charge. I, I really want to like highlight them. You know, we, we, I know a lot of times we talk about in football, you know, we've heard stories of like students getting thrown out of games and stuff like that. I, I'd love to get, get them involved in something and have that stake of ownership in, in a sport and maybe they can do it through this. So I'll probably try to walk out there on Thursday around, I don't know, 620 and see how their tailgate is going um, and figure out if I have any more contacts or any sway uh, to try to get them closer to the dome and make it something a little more special going into the future. Well, let us know if we can help. We will. Uh, I'm def- It's not a conflict of interest on the outside of the dome, so I'm happy to help. I was going to say, if you're going to set up like at five, I'll walk over there with a case of beer and we can hang out before the game. Hey man, but I got I got crossed. I thought I thought you were setting up a tent. I'll check I'll check out I'll check out the schedule and I'll let you know. Let me know. Uh, I'll go out there and extend an olive olive branch. We can do some handshaking and baby kissing, and then we can have a tent and maybe some food. I don't know. I can walk there. It takes me ten minutes. So cool. and then and then I just guide you into the game, and you watch it with me. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. I don't even know if they'll let me in there. Honestly. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> you might be on the hit list. Like nope, blocked. Bob himself will be like, hang on a second, timeout. He can't come in here. <laughs> anyway, Jacob, thank you for taking a couple minutes to visit with us, man. Uh, what you're doing is awesome. You're a great fan. Appreciate your support as a, as a follower of Rage and Review. And if you want to come on and be like our our mole, basketball mole, you can do that. We'll, we'll, we'll hire you. We'll find a different, different noun, different noun. Basketball. Our liaison. How's that? Yeah. You'll be our liaison. Yeah, That's just trying to highlight. Hey, these players, these players work hard. I know some of them personally; they're really great guys. Um, and I know they would love to have more and more people out there. I know at our first game for Sin there, we had over 400 students show up to that first game, um, and that was on a Monday night that the Saints played. So, um, hoping to see a, a good crowd on Thursday. Yeah, hope to see y'all there, y'all as in the listeners, not you, Josh. Understandable. <laughs> All right, everybody. Jacob, our new uh, correspondent for men's basketball. Thanks, Jake. Appreciate you, brother. Have a good one, fellas. All right. All right, boys. Uh, basketball. We got a game on Thursday. People should go. Anyway. Man, I tell you what. Last Thursday night, the Cajuns finished out their home slate against Georgia Southern with a 36-17 to victory, extending their record to 5-5, five and five, back to 500. With one more conference game to go, not this week, but the next week against Texas State. But this week is a little bit of a wrench in the conference schedule as the Cajuns travel to Tallahassee for the first ever meeting against the Florida State Seminoles. And as you know, Florida State has beaten, as we call them, the team across the base in the first week. And they're on a three-game win streak with some dominant scores against their ACC opponents. But let's look at, let's look at a little bit of history. If you look at some of these road games that the Cajuns have played against Power 5 competition, even though most games have been pretty much blowouts, unfortunately, there have been a few games that have been pretty close that could have put the program on the map. For example, 1986, going to Oxford to play Ole Miss. Cajuns lose a close one, 21-20. Or how about 1989, when the Cajuns traveled to Birmingham to play the number two Alabama Crimson Tide to a score of 24-17? to Fast forward to 1992, traveling to Auburn, Alabama to face the Auburn Tigers, 
and blowing a late game lead to lose 25 to 24. Or how about the 2012 game against the number six Florida Gators, where our hearts were ripped out on the very last play of the game through a block punt and scoop and score by the score of 27-20. All of these games signify that the fact that even though the Cajuns may have been heavy underdogs, they still had a chance to actually pull off the impossible. And of course, let's not forget 2020 when the Cajuns finally got over that hump of all of these close losses to face a, a nationally ranked Iowa State team by the score of 31 to 14. A big victory that not only set off the Cajuns program into the expectations and standards of today, but also ignited Billy Napier's career as well into his job that he has now. So what's the point in all of this? Regardless of the spread, regardless of the expectation, regardless of what the prognosticators say about this Florida State-Louisiana matchup, regardless of the inconsistencies and positives that the Cajuns have experienced this season, regardless of what Florida State has done, how about we once again get over that hump this Saturday? At this point, the Cajuns go into Tallahassee with a, I quote, nothing to lose mindset. What have we got to lose? Win the game. You set your program back to where it needs to be. Lose the game. You have a chance to redeem yourself against Texas State. So all in all, let's go to Tallahassee with nothing to lose. Pull off the impossible. Get over the hump of losing those close games that I mentioned over the last few decades. Beat the Florida State Seminoles and ease our way into a bowl game and hopefully a winning season. With that said, guys, whether you're going to Tallahassee or not, cheer loud for the cajuns make sure that seminole chop isn't loud drown out the crowd and accomplish the impossible good luck cajuns we'll be pulling for you gonna have plenty of people in that stadium raising hell i got my i got my ul chop going we'll be doing this all game right love it Does that shaws, work? Shaws. <laughs> <laughs> there you go Ladies and gentlemen, if you like what we do, please hit the subscribe button, like button, share button, comment, share with friends, tell them all about the pod, bring more people to watch and to support the Cajuns. That's why we do this. Thanks again to Jacob. Thanks again to Perry of the Tomahawk Nation, uh, SB Nation affiliate. It was a good show. Apologize for being late. Wasn't my fault. Shout out to the Rainbow Mermaids on a fantastic soccer season. Fireboys were as, as good, uh, but we they didn't get enough coverage, so we'll do another special on that later. Anyway, let's go to Tallahassee and bring home a W. Good night. Go Cajuns.